Does it seem like your allergies are worse this year? Are your eyes itchier and redder than ever? Why are you still experiencing allergies well into summer? It is not your imagination. Before reaching for over-the-counter chemical eye drops, consider choosing a natural brand like Similison. Similison uses natural active ingredients that work with your body's natural allergy defenses. Similison has been trusted for over 40 years. When you are suffering from itchy and watery eyes, pick up some Similison drops online or at Walmart, Shoppers Drug Mart, or London Drug, or Similison.ca in Canada to learn more. Similison drops are also available on Amazon and at Walmart in the U.S. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Health Power. I am away today, but my wonderful occasional co-host Andrea Donsky is here and she is interviewing the fantastic Bryce Wild. So I'm going to let them take it away. Welcome to Health Power. I'm Andrea Donsky and today we are speaking to Bryce Wild, a functional medicine practitioner, and we are going to be talking about seasonal allergies, allergies, and sensitivities. Welcome to Health Power, Bryce. Thanks so much, Andrea. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So I really want to start with the definition of what allergies are versus what sensitivities are. Okay. Yeah. So allergies are essentially in a nutshell, a confused immune system. Um, So we're born with an immune system that's innate. Um, we're born into this world, uh, with the capability to identify generally, uh, foreign agents for which we want no, well, you know, no, nothing to do with, um, uh, in our bodies. These are, you know, the major categories of bacteria, some viruses, and then there's another part of the immune system that requires us to learn, um, what these entities are. And this also includes certain infectious agents. Um, and, uh, to learn means to, be sick and have symptoms as it relates to infection. So fever, um, you know, uh, we, we can ultimately enter into a state of, uh, uh, infection as it pertains to a typical cold or, you know, a flu. Um, but when it comes to allergies, uh, this is a discombobulated upset, imbalanced immune system. Um, so to give a little more insights into this, uh, I, I like to revere the immune system sort of like an army. Um, you have this backline immune defense. Um, these are like the generals in command. They give instruction. They give orders, and then you have your you know frontline troops, uh, and they're actioned on uh, you know what to do to kill the offending agents. But they need instruction. This instruction comes by way, at least in this army analogy, uh, two-way radio, maybe you know, or cell phone technology. So the generals in command telling the battalions what to do in the face of a foreign. Uh, entity. And again, uh, some of that uh, is born unto us. Um, we don't have to think about what to do. Our immune systems just know. Um, and then others, we have to learn our way through, uh, through infection. When it comes to uh, allergies, it's uh, miscommunication between the generals in command and ultimately what the army is doing. Um, this is referred to, you know, in, in, uh, in biology as a T helper cell one and T helper cell two imbalance. So think of this like okay. a teeter totter. Uh, TH1 um, is uh, more related to uh, infections uh, and, and autoimmunity, um, which is also, by the way, an imbalanced or uh, misappropriated immune system. Uh, and TH2 is more responsible for um, allergies, humoral immunity. So, you know, this, 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 uh, it, this instruction uh, to fight or attack something that is otherwise benign 
Uh, in the case of a, an environmental allergy, you know, some folks have uh, hay fever later on in the uh, summer. Uh, early on, it's more trees or grasses, these pollens. Uh, the immune system has misidentified these proteins uh, as if they're viruses or bacteria and instigated the instruction to, to fight. Um, so that, that's as, as simplistic as I can get. Um, this TH2, as I mentioned, uh, when that gets heightened, or we call this a TH2 dominant state, um, TH2 plays this role of uh, triggering an activating immunoglobulin E or IgE antibody uh, producing cells. And this, so we've got these cells in our body called mast cells and eosinophils. When they're triggered by a IgE, and we can unpack that a little bit more, um, the response by the immune system is to release histamine. And of course we know histamine as that offending agent that causes all of the symptoms of an allergy, such as uh, itchy, uh, eyes, runny, nose, sneezing, uh, tickle at the back of the throat, a generalized state of inflammation and, and really feeling miserable. Um, and folks know they've got allergies uh, because they've suffered year over year. Um, and the defining factor, as I mentioned earlier, fever in the state of infection, bacterial or viral, uh, but you don't have a fever with allergies. You, however, have all of the other types of uh, symptoms, leth lethargy, um, you know, feeling run down, energy deprived, sneezing, coughing, maybe swollen. Um, and that that's to do with this massive release uh, of histamine. Hmm. And then when, how would you explain food sensitivities? Like what would be that difference? Right. So allergies and sensitivities are governed by, you know, this uh, learned or this uh, the part of the immune system that learns, but makes the mistake. And you're not born with uh, allergies. Typically, some of us are more genetically predisposed to them. But as I mentioned, uh, the you know regulation of IgE um, over true allergies is something that causes these mast cells to release histamine. Then typically we reach uh, to over-the-counter medications called antihistamines to control that. Whereas food sensitivities are regulated by immunoglobulin G. Um, and this is an interesting phenomenon. So immunoglobulin G is really, you know, a, a system in place to help us protect against uh, viruses and bacteria. Um, and, uh, over time it's evolved. Actually, th this is something that goes back about 200 million years in human evolution. Um, IgE evolved as this mutation of mammals specifically to have allergies. Oh, wow. uh, very interesting on the, yeah, the timeline. Um, and this was only discovered by the way, in the late sixties, but immunoglobulin G goes back you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of years across all species. And so when IgG is activated as a sensitivity, um, we, we know this is, you know, something that is a, a, a lot less of a, an immediate response. It's delayed. Um, it can become cumulative. Um, it's part of the immune system that can still cause things like inflammation systemically. It's not going to be an overt sort of uh, immediate response that might cause somebody the spectrum from going to the hospital from an exposure to a peanut allergy, uh, which ultimately results in maybe hives or um, respiratory distress. IgG or immune uh, sensitivities to foods uh, is going to be something that's a lot more late, delayed, slow onset, um, but nonetheless can cause a whole host of symptoms um, systemically in the body, everything from weight gain to headaches uh, to fatigue. 
um, gut dysfunction. So food sensitivities are a real thing, but, uh, but they're delayed, slow, uh, and insidious. Whereas, you know, again, IgE, true overt allergies, and we know these because of peanuts, strawberries, you know, fish, these are all healthy foods I should mention. Right. Um, uh, but they ultimately trigger an, you know, an imbalanced or confused immune system into, in some folks, anaphylaxis, right? right? Respiratory distress and, and mm-hmm. highs, whereas food sensitivities don't do that, but they can cause a whole bunch of other problems. Now we, you know, we can get into the why of food sensitivities. Um, and that would ultimately very top line be leaky gut. We've heard of this. This is an affectionate term given to the idea that we're moving from a state of permeability where we should be most of us a healthy permeability in order to absorb macronutrients, vitamins, and minerals in the gut. But when we're hyper permeable and the digestive uh, tract is breaking down from that selectivity of what to allow into general circulation, these proteins and carbohydrate sequences from foods can leak through the selective membrane in the gut, enter into general circulation and cause an immune system confusion. So your immune system, this is part of the innate, right? It doesn't like to see foreign entities move from where they're uh, supposed to be, you know, contained into general circulation. So your immune system will attack. And when it attacks, it'll develop uh, sort of these sequences of memory cells. And just in case, and this is the whole body's, you know, sort of state, just in case this thing is foreign, uh, let's remember it and develop antibodies. So this is the job of the immunoglobulin, whether it's E or G or M or A. These immunoglobulins are part of the immune system to help develop memory. And uh, when it's a case of a sensitivity, that memory is formed. But the nice thing is it can be reversed um, and retrained. In the case of IgE or true uh, anaphylaxis or allergy, that can be tamed but never reversed. Um, so th- th- that's the general, you know, uh, differences and, um, you know, top line between allergy overt and food sensitivity in the case of E or immunoglobulin E versus immunoglobulin G. Okay. So let's talk about testing. Can you just go into a little bit of details about you're mentioning IgE, IgG, somebody who's listening right now going, okay, I really want to go get tested, whether it's allergies or whether it's sensitivities, how can I do that? Sure. Yeah. You know, an allergist will typically perform what's called a RAST, R-A-S-T, or a skin scratch test uh, that can be done down the arm if there's a sort of relatively limited amount of investigation or across the back if it's more extensive. Um, and this crosses over from foods into environment. So you can be tested for things like dust, uh, dander, um, you know, insect. Uh, pollens, foods, you know, all kinds of things. And if there's a welt or a wheel that's left behind, essentially what the allergist is doing is inoculating just subdermally or under the skin, a small amount of the antigen, in which case, if your immune system is responding, uh, immunoglobulin E is active, then you're going to come up with a degree of a welt or a a wheel, a lesion. Uh, And they score that between sort of zero non-evident through to four, four plus is a tremendous, typically yielding things like anaphylaxis, right? And you're right. You would know about those things. Um, Ironically, first exposures don't elicit that type of response. It's typically second, but then yes, actually very vehement and obvious. um, And that's helpful to determine the IgE uh, like elephant form of, uh, of, of over um, allergies. When it comes to sensitivities, um, the only real way to do that is uh, blood work. Um, I don't recommend the pinprick uh, or the, the little blood spot tests that are out there. I really think that there's some limitations uh, for those. And some of the labs that aren't necessarily doing 
you know, the, the testing in the right way I can explain. But first of all, it's a full blood test that looks at immunoglobulin G. You can do a combination as well, by the way, E and G for food uh, sensitivities, because you can have a very, very low grade E kind of acting like a high grade G. I'm getting a little technical, but at the end yeah. of the day, blood work for sensitivities, skin scratch for overt allergies is typically the way that this is approached. Okay in the medical community. Now there's also a variety of degrees of intensity for immunoglobulin G, just like there is a skin scratch intensity difference. You can score differently when you discover that you have food sensitivities, uh, by eliminating them, um, as I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, avoidance is key. Mm. Um, a whole host of things can improve, you know, people can, you know, lose weight, um, they can, uh, you know, gain a significant more amount of energy. A lot of gut dysfunction goes away, clarity of, uh, mind, uh, function, focus, and attention, uh, can improve a lot of you know, children with uh, ADHD have complications with food sensitivities. A lot of, uh, adults with chronic, you know, migraines, or maybe a contributing factor to fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, and again, contributing, not, not necessarily the underlying cause food sensitivities right. are not typically the solo cause of anything, but they can amass a, an immune response that causes um, inflammation in the body. And of course, inflammation is a medical buzz term of the day for a good reason. It contributes to so much of what ails right. us. So that's the differentiation is uh, blood work for sensitivities, IgG, and then skin scratch test analysis for uh, overt IgE. Why would you say that people develop, like, I guess, not even so much why would you say, but like, I know from my experience in speaking to women who are in perimenopause and menopause, a lot of them say that they develop allergies or sensitivities as they get older. Why would you say that is? Human health threshold. Um, this is to say that um, you know, typically in any situation of health demise or uh, you know condition evolution, <clears throat> it's never usually a needle in a haystack. It was typically multitude of different contributing factors, some of which contribute to a higher intensity or degree than others. And if you've kind of always lifelong had these sensitivities, um, and sometimes they're brought on by things like you know, uh, you know, food poisoning, um, you know, that causes, uh, you know, gut distress and then hyperpermeability of that leaky gut I was telling you about, or, or mm, right. a course of antibiotics, uh, or as you're suggesting, maybe a transition life transition from, you know, a state of hormonal balance to imbalance, all of these situations can contribute in and of themselves, uh, to a threshold above which or beyond which you then start to become symptomatic. So if you've kind of always had predisposition to uh, food sensitivities, but then also now enter into hormone, uh, you know, imbalance, then now the combination of those two things, plus, plus typically others would then cause the individual to become symptomatic. Um, so it's not necessarily just that they are moving through this transition in life that, you know, they all of a sudden get food sensitivities. It's actually that they kind of had them for some time, but now they're evident because of the multitude of, of factors that are present in what they ultimately want to correct. And as we age, our gut changes anyways, right? So sure. we kind of, our, yeah, our gut motility goes down. So yeah, go ahead. Now, yeah, I was going to agree with you, sir. So much changes, you know, as hormones and, you know, uh, we've been around uh, on, on the planet, the more hours and days and weeks we clock, uh, <laughs> there's, you know, cell senescence and various aspects to aging and, you know, how we sweep up the proverbial mess of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> right. oxidative stress and so forth tends to 
decline, our abilities to detoxify go down, um, you know, our, our, our uh, inflammatory uh, sequences get discombobulated, all, all, all kinds of things contribute to um, the predisposition, you know, of, of or, or rather, we, we are born with predispositions. But as we age, and as we, you know, different, uh, you know, transitions that we move through in life, those predispositions can tend to pop up their ugly heads. Uh, not because of the transition specifically, but because of our predispositions, you know, we kind of always, however, that doesn't have to happen. That's the beauty of, uh, you know, what I'm involved with. And that's, you know, uh, understanding root issues within functional medicine to try to help the body do what it should naturally on its own and dampen uh, those predispositions when they occur. What role does stress play when it comes to allergies and food sensitivities? Huge. So, you know, a lot of folks are familiar with terms like uh, fight or flight, uh, which invokes epinephrine, long, uh, you know, term uh, stress can, you know, provoke excess cortisol, um, which then ultimately can suppress or depress the immune system. And again, if we go back to that balance, TH1, TH2, um, you know, what this does is ultimately further in further that imbalance. Uh, so if you're predisposed to this TH2 dominant state, that is an allergenic state, uh, stress just accentuates that state. Um, so it depresses the TH1 even further and uh, predisposes the individual, you know, more toward that inflammatory process and, and allergies. I want to go to, I want to talk about allergies for a minute because I've been hearing from so many people that this year it's pretty bad. Why is that? Well, two reasons, actually. Uh, so scientists uh, that are focused on global warming suggest that uh, this year, 2022, um, allergy season due to uh, warming and, and uh, significant changes in, in elevation and temperature have caused pollination uh, to happen um, four to six weeks earlier in most uh, regions. And... Um, that ultimately, you know, causes a concentration of aerosolic, uh, you know, pollens to, to, to challenge folks that have already, you know, are already known and or suspect to environmental allergies. The second reason is, you know, uh, as we're now two years later uh, to this big pandemic um, and we've been avoiding um, contact and social distancing and hyper-focused on hygiene. The second element is what we call a, a hyper-hygiene phenomenon. So your immune system is like a muscle. It constantly needs to be worked out and exercised. It's unnatural to not have regular colds and or flus. By the way, I should say the epitome of health is not whether you get sick from an infectious agent. Uh, the very epitome of health is how quickly you recover and how you manage that illness and then learn from it. Again, I mentioned that uh, adaptive immunity is moving through an infection, creating memory cells so that the next exposure you can deal with, like it's nothing. Um, so anyways, to all that to say, we haven't had that level of exposure as we normally would over the last couple of years. And therefore now this is a, you know, we can blame this imbalance on TH1. And so TH1 is lazy. This part of the immune system balance, that teeter-totter, that lack of exposure to engage TH1 um, is just lazy. We haven't worked it out. Therefore, allowing TH2, especially in those individuals with allergies, to become even more dominant. 
So enough to say that global warming causing uh, earlier pollination and more intense pollination in combination with an imbalanced and lackadaisic or weakened, uh, you know, TH1 part of the immune system and therefore heightened TH2, it's a disaster for allergy sufferers. It's time for me to talk about the wonderful sponsor this month. Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I don't like taking pills and vitamins. I wanted a supplement that tastes great, a light tropical mild flavor. I start my day with AG1. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. This helps with your nervous system, your gut health, your immune system. I notice I have more energy. I have more focus. What I love about it too is that it's lifestyle friendly. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And speaking of habits, AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. On here on Health Power, that's what I want you to do. I want to give you the tools to help you take care of yourself. And that's why I'm so excited about AG1. Now, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash power. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash power to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And just go over again what some of the symptoms are of for seasonal allergies. Yeah. So if you're an allergy sufferer, you already know, uh, but for those who don't suffer allergies, I mean, it's a focus on the eyes, which are, you know, inflamed, super itchy. It's that in, you know, internal itch that you just can't help. Uh, but rubbing your eyes, sneezy, watery, drippy nose, you're, you're constantly lacrimating, right? So your eyes are producing liquid, your nose is producing liquid to essentially you know, uh, get rid of or evolve um, or, or move out pollens, uh, which the body interprets sort of, again, like mm -hmm. it's some kind of a foreign invader meant to be gotten rid of. You have similar symptoms when you've got a cold. Um, and so it's a scratchy throat, uh, inflamed mucous membranes that again, push out a lot of uh, the fluids, um, you know, clearing the back of your throat. Some people experience, you know, post-nasal drip from uh, this phenomenon, but it's focused in the nose, sinus cavity, ear, nose, throat, ears can be itchy as well. And then the eyes. Uh, so the pre preliminary symptoms are focused around um, ear, nose, throat, eyes, and upper respiratory system. So what can people do to help alleviate their symptoms? Well, yeah, you know, having been in clinical practice for over 20 years, you know, my first go-to is to reach for homeopathics. In fact, before I even do that and recommend a bunch of things people can do to manage, um, you know, their, their allergenic response and even symptoms, um, I always ask folks to, you know, really think about how to best manage their body. Um, and again, this is pollens get locked into our nasal cavity up into our sinuses. Uh, they stick to our skin and our hair. So real simple way to improve on the overall load of exposure, because of course we still have to go outside and you want to enjoy the outside. Um, but as soon as you come home, you should shower as an allergy sufferer to environmental allergies. You need to shower. Um, you don't have to use soaps and, you know, bleach your hair or anything like that. Just warm water, shower off the pollens. And you don't stop at the, the hair and the skin. 
um, you essentially want to do the equivalent with your nose. And this is the old infamous neti pot showering the inside of your nose with a simple saline solution to get rid of uh, the allergens that have stuck within the nasal turbinates of your nose. Uh, that's where they're lodged. So the longer they're there, the more they're going to trigger your immune response. So getting them out through simply nasal irrigation, I find is very, very helpful. Um, and then, and then on that note of sort of controlling uh, environmental and or exposure on the body, um, your home, uh, having HEPA filtration, if you can afford it, you know, throughout your entire home on your furnace is extremely helpful. And if you can't, maybe even just a HEPA, which is a high efficiency part particle um, uh, type of uh, filter, you, you have one in your bedroom where you spend most of, uh, you know, the time that you spend in your home sleeping, right? So controlling the environment, um, can you even remember to do this for your car? You know, every 15 or so thousand kilometers on your car, you should change the cabin filter because that's filtering the outside air, whatever you're spending time in your car. So bedroom, car, think about those for filters. Think about showering, showering your nose, uh, really effective ways to get rid of or and, um, you know, manage exposure to pollens. But then when we're talking about the internal histochemistry, the idea that these mast cells and basophils, once they're triggered by what they feel is foreign and worthy of fighting, they release histamine. So the conventional approach has always been to, you know, okay, there's a histamine response. Now let's reach for an antihistamine. A couple of problems with that. That's not solving the underlying issue. Um, the, the problem with that is ultimately what we call rebound effect. So whether we're using antihistamine systemically, orally, we're swallowing these pills, or we're using drops in our eyes or up our nose, you can't use these indefinitely. And they're on the package, they will be very explicit in how you know often you're meant to use these. But when you use them, um, you know, they cause the body to want to respond even more strongly the next time around in these cycles. So this, this is what we call rebound effect. So in clinical practice, there's a few things that I highly recommend, very successful things. One is, you know, always reach for homeopathic products, uh, especially very, very helpful um, in the case of uh, eye symptoms. Um, so Similison. Uh, this is an incredible company. Um, it's a Swiss-based company sold across uh, you know, the world um, that uh, specialize, one of their lines um, specializes in uh, allergy eye relief uh, drops uh, and activates the body's own defense mechanisms essentially to address the underlying problem. So by, by the way, what I love about it so much is that it contains only natural active ingredients. Uh, there are no dyes, there are none of these vasoconstrictors that, and decongestants or steroids that cause this rebound effect. And essentially what that means is that uh, these eye drops can be used as often as needed. Um, so you want to look for product. Similison uses Eyebrite uh, and Sabadilla um, in their allergy eye drops. This works incredibly well. Um, so you pick that up at, uh, at uh, Shoppers Drug Mart uh, or Walmart. Um, for that matter, um, easily accessible over the counter, non-prescription. When it comes to helping to train the body's um, immune system to relax these mast cells that want to release the histamine, to relax them and actually cause them to sort of not release as much histamine, um, so they shake, they vibrate, they blow up and release histamine. To calm them down, I've never seen something so effective as coercetin. Mm, yeah, this a is of... a bioflavonoid. It's found in onions, uh, brightly colored orange and yellow varietal fruits and vegetables. You can't eat yourself to a therapeutic dose. You know, you could never eat enough onions to get enough quercetin to do this, but that's where that's is extracted. It's found. Um, the type of quercetin I recommend is called ISO Q. Uh, 
That's what you want to look for on your bottle of quercetin. It's the most bioavailable quercetin. So this is this bioflavonoid calms down these mast cells, prevents the release of, uh, of, of, uh, of, uh, of um, histamine in the first place. Uh, and overall can help to, you know, also sweep up the inflammation and the mess left behind uh, from this interaction of the immune system, um, the confused one anyways, with these uh, pollens and, 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 uh, and, and, or by the way, uh, foods that contribute to this, as you mentioned earlier on, you know, foods and food sensitivities, once you avoid those, even if they're just IgG, okay, when you avoid this sort of load or this, um, this, this contributing factor of food sensitivities, your response to your environment, which is IgE mitigated, will actually go down. So mm -hmm. avoiding food sensitivities, there's also something called a crossover syndrome between foods uh, that we consume that are otherwise very healthy and the environmental allergies we have. So, you know, think about this for a moment. If you have tree allergies, well, what grows on trees? Mm. You know, yeah. apples, almonds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fruits oh, yeah, that people nice. like yeah. eat these fruits and they have what's called oral allergy syndrome. The back of their throat's itchy, their lips tingly and itchy. And, you know, that's ultimately responding to a food or a fruit that has similar, exp similar expression proteins to the pollens from which they uh, come from in the first place. So if you have grass allergies and tree allergies, you're going to want to look this up, this crossover allergy syndrome, and you want to avoid, especially in the height of the season, the foods that correlate uh, to the origin of what you're actually, you know, uh, sensitive to in the first place. It's an incredible list. And if people learn to mitigate that list and, or even alter the foods in a way that there's no longer that reaction. So for example, you can still have apples in the form of applesauce. You've denatured the protein through the, 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 the boiling process, for example. Um, but you know, peanuts, um, onions, um, chives, uh, even dill and uh, basil and, uh, you know, oranges. And there's quite a long list, you know, melons, the, all of these things cross over to trees, and grasses, hmm. you know, and, and when it comes to um, hay fever later on, you know, a lot of folks don't realize this, but just for example, chamomile tea, similar family, uh, solanaceae or, or echinacea, you know, you want to avoid these things because they're related to ragweed and, hmm. and by consuming them or they're natural and they're helpful, but by consuming them, you might actually trigger uh, an immune response because they're similar to the offending agent, uh, you know, that comes from, um, the source that your, your body's been uh, responding to like the same family. Yeah. You, I just want to go back to Simela on that, uh, the product you were talking about. So do you use that? You can use that whether you're in acute stage or can you use it for prevention too? It's really, yeah, it's a great point. So I wouldn't necessarily, you know, recommend and people aren't necessarily inspired to put drops in their eyes when they don't have symptoms. So those eye drops work incredibly well when you are symptomatic, they don't typically work in preventing, but if you know, uh, this is the week that, you know, that you're starting to feel symptoms this year, um, and we're already in the thick of it, but if, but, but, but to your point, like, if you know, it's just starting, you don't want to wait until you're full blown symptomatic. You can absolutely, because you can use these, they don't have, again, any of those dyes and, and fillers and preservatives and, um, you know, uh, those things that cause Additives. rebound effects, suppressors, right? They're not antihistamine or vasoconstrictive. So you can use them constantly keep them in your purse. In fact, you know, there's, there's uh, bottles that they make with uh, eye drops and then there, there's these single use um, uh, little droppers as well. So convenient, you know, to carry around with you, use them all day. You don't have to wait until your eyes are full blown itchy to drop them in. So yes. Yeah, so you to your point 
once allergy seasons hit, go ahead and just remember to drop them in your eyes, you know, um, three or four times a day, pre preventively, hmm. if you will. How do you spell it? Similison is uh, S-I-M-I-L-A-S-A-N, Similison. And uh, this is the allergy eye relief drops. You know, they make all kinds of drops for, you know, computer screen, tired eyes, dry eyes. So many folks have dry eye sim uh, syndrome. I was actually going to ask you, can you use it for dry eyes as well? <laughs> it's interesting. So their dry eye formula uh, and the allergy eye relief, um, they, they have, there's a crossover ingredient called Eyebrite. And uh, this is a homeopathic that, yeah. Can, That's an herb, right? Yeah. And it can work for tired, dry eyes as, uh, as well as uh, for, for allergy eyes. In the allergy eyes, there's, they've also got a really important, uh, you know, uh, sabadilla. And that ingredient there is, um, you know, really for the, mm. the watering and redness of the lids, uh, itching, you know, stinging, that kind of thing. That kind That's, of thing. That, yeah. And just back to quercetin too, is there a dosage that we should be taking if we have allergies? Yeah. So thank you for asking that because um, on the label, most quercetin back, I'd say all range between, you know, five and a thousand milligrams. And if you want to control allergies, um, I've never seen a dose less than about 6,000 milligrams oh, okay. uh, work well. So you really want a hyper dose um, quercetin, no harm in doing that. Um, you know, it's really, really impossible to get up to anything that would be problematic. Um, but yeah, you, you'd want to go much higher, you know, triple quadruple or more, uh, the, the recommended dose on a label. And it's safe to do that. Yeah. Okay. Anything else that we didn't talk about today that you think that would be important for our listeners when it comes to seasonal allergies or even, you know, sensitivities or anything in general? You know, so we talked, we talked about a lot of different uh, solutions. I, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the average allergy sufferer might want to understand and learn uh, more about histamine foods as well. Um, so we talked about histamine being the villain here, um, you know, and managing its release. Talked about quercetin and, and of course the similis on eye allergy relief for the symptoms of the eyes, but this is a systemic issue. And, um, you know, besides the allergy crossover phenomenon, I think folks can also um, get some relief by avoiding um, histaminic foods. So these, you know, this is a whole other category and it's often, again, it's not so much about what's healthy for the average person. It's what might How contribute in this case to histamine for the allergy sufferer. So fermented foods, you know, we're told to eat more of these like sauerkraut and, uh, you know, fermented, you know, yogurts and, um, you know, healthy organic grass-fed meats, um, you know, things like, um, you know, even, you know, all kinds of healthy foods. I mean, you know, uh, and, and by the way, um, you know, uh, fermented foods for the microbiome in the gut, as it typically plays a role for a healthy gut, which ultimately helps a healthy immune system in the allergy sufferer can actually trigger allergies. So it's really important just to, you know, do a deep dive into orally, uh, oral allergy crossover syndrome and histaminic foods. Um, and, and then also lastly, maybe even have yourself assessed for zonulin. Uh, we talked at the top about leaky gut. When there's hyperpermeability in the gut, and this is controlled by a, a protein called zonulin, helps to keep a, essentially um, when zonulin is elevated, and you can use a simple blood uh, prick test you can do. Um, when zonulin is you know, elevated, this is uh, an indication that you've got hyperpermeability in the gut. If you don't fix that, and this is a whole other podcast, if you don't fix the hyperpermeability, 
um, it's a losing battle. There's just so much systemic inflammation that's uh, occurring that, um, you know, none of these simple solutions are going to solve, you know, chronic allergies. So uh, it's, it's doing the deeper dive for that real intense chronic allergy suffer uh, into the gut. The health of your gut is, is tremendous when we're talking about long-term uh, recovery and or management of systemic allergies. The health of our gut is the foundation of everything. And that's what they're finding out now. So uh, very good information, Bryce. Thank you so Got much it. for sharing your knowledge. Always a huge wealth of knowledge. <laughs> and how can we find out more about you if somebody wanted to get testing or get in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, so wildonhealth.com. Um, there's a, a wealth of information there, a couple of hundred thousand pages of free information, um, interactions checker. If you're taking a medication and you want to check it against any supplements you're taking, um, supplement, supplement interactions, drug supplement interactions, um, and all kinds of, you know, nutritional as well, you know, uh, recipe ideas, uh, more information about allergies. And, and also, by the way, my immunity, this is a new company I started, uh, M Y. M-M-U-N-I-T-Y.com. My immunity is focused on um, compounding custom formulas uh, to the individual based on what their immune systems need more of. So by answering a simple questionnaire, uh, we're able to decipher you know, what you might do well from uh, to help modulate or balance uh, your immune system all year long. So folks can check out my immunity and it's at the right dose for you. See, these are custom formulas compounded as one single formula at the right dose for you uh, to help uh, engage a healthy immune system. Thank you so much, Bryce. Thank you. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.